Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Today's podcast is based on a campaign that we're running. It's a link to a campaign that we're running. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it is a, it's a roving podcast today because we've got five people on the podcast and each of them are in different locations. Kat is on site with uh, one of our clients. We've got myself oddly coming to you from an airport, a lounge, and then we've got the fantastic Kathy Akratopolo to complete the laces before we introduce our guests who is coming from our office. Let's introduce our laces first. Kat, how are you doing? You all right? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, very excited. This combo. Yeah, yeah very, very excited. And Kathy, how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, Chris. As always, looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, a really good discussion. And the discussion today is with our fabulous friends from a company called Dragonfish. It's Andre Gower from uh, Dragonfish. Andre, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Really good. Fabulous. And we've got uh, Neil Cluley from uh, Dragonfish joining us. Neil, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good to be on um, this. Yeah, it's really, really good to be on this. We're going to talk a little bit about some work that you guys have been doing, some research that you've done over the last few years, a little bit around culture and uh, cultural alignment, which I know is something that you guys are, uh, are really, really keen on. But just before we do a bit of scene setting and find out a little bit about you guys and your background and Dragonfish as well as an organisation, as I said right at the top of the this intro, this podcast is uh, the first podcast of a series in which we are going to be launching as part of our quarterly campaign that we're running. The campaign itself is called the Employee Experience Revolution, and you can find lots of different materials on our website through whether it's uh, blogs, whether it's a podcast, we'll do some video content, and we're going to be running some events as well. This is going to be part of our first burst, which is called the Indisputable Case for Employee Experience. Just before I get the guys from Dragonfish to talk, I'm going to get Kat. Just from your side, if you just want to give our lovely listeners just a quick 30 seconds on the campaign, and then let's do some finding out about the wonderful people at Dragonfish. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so the campaign is really about the importance that we believe CPOs need to place on employee experience for, for not only employees, but for the business as a whole. Um, and really the, the conversation that we want to get into today is to understand how experience and culture is highly linked to the to business value and to performance. Um, and we believe that there is a very strong case out there, lots of evidence of that and the work that Dragonfish have done sort of guides us to that as well. So we're excited to talk a little bit more about that and how it all comes together. Yeah, certainly. So Neil and Andre, if you guys can give our listeners, just for those people who perhaps haven't come across Dragonfish before, a little bit of background on uh, your business and uh, actually you guys as well. Right, okay. So first of all, we're often asked why we call dragonfish. So I'm going to start there. So if you've ever seen a dragonfish, it's a fish that swims at the bottom of the ocean. It sees things from a different perspective. It swims deep and that's part of our DNA's research. Also 
shines a light, so creates a light. And um, we were founded to help really understand the links between culture performance and really help enable organisations to uh, to better manage culture as a positive force for for better business outcomes and sustainable growth. So, yeah, we, we describe ourselves as a global culture and performance consultancy. Research is in that DNA, but we help organisations probably on four things, help them measure culture, help them sh- shape and strengthen culture, help them uh, embed high-performing cultures, but also sustain high-performing cultures because it's it's never finished and, and culture is always evolving. So I think that gives us a little bit. Um, should we do a quick intros to who we are? Yeah, um, Andre, do you want to go? First? So I'm Andre. I'm the Strategy and Consulting Director at Dragonfish, responsible for leading the strategic thinking, but also supporting the consulting team. My background, I suppose, is in many things, really. It's research, brand, marketing and communications. And I've worked agency side and also client side during that time. I started Dragonfish when we first started out prove the links, I suppose, between culture and performance about eight years ago. And it's been a fantastic journey during that time. Fantastic. Thanks, Andre. My, my background, very different. I actually came from an operational background, then moved into talent L&D, organisational development. It's always fascinated me what drives high performance. We're very most of my career is actually on the client side. So held senior HR roles at Vodafone. I was the chief people officer for a global transformation at Fitness First. And actually, I was Dragonfish's first client when I was the CPO at Fitness First and loved it so much. Um, you know, I made the, made the move to go consulting side. And and uh, yeah, I, I, my, my role is also the chief culture officer at, at Dragonfish as well as the managing director at Dragonfish. Lovely, lovely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, historical research. I know you've got some uh, some more research, uh, which is kind of building on some of the work that you've already done. The research that you've previously produced is called Cracking the Culture Code. Can you give us a little bit of a background on it? Like, what is it? Why did you kind of create it? And then once you've given us that background, it'd be interesting, Cathy, just to get some thoughts from your perspective as a as an external kind of having having checked in on some of it. Yeah, of course. So uh, we, we just do this between Andre and I. So I actually started way back in 2017, which was in the early days of, of Dragonfish. And we were really trying to respond to that need that organisations were having at the time about how do you make culture less subjective and more objective, uh, less intangible and more tangible, and less fluffy and more real. So that's, uh, we said, well, we need evidence. And with the research kind of in our DNA, we we decided to look at what what already happened around all that, that fantastic data around how employee engagement links to business outcomes. So 20 something years worth of data, but also looked at, well, what, what does culture make up? It, it is more than just the employee experience. It's about the customer. It's about the brand. It's about how few people feel about performance. So we looked at the question sets that existed at the time, and we looked at how we could complement those question sets with a stronger look in some of those other areas. We actually worked with a university. So we started on the South Coast, so in Southampton. We've, we've now got a base in London too. So we went to university, born to university. They work with their independent research team to make sure it was valid. And we're working with some academics to help strengthen it. And then um, went out and our first round of research was 1,200 people, all working with organisations over 1,000 people. A mixture of roles, so five work levels from, you know, the sharp end of organisations through to very senior levels in organisations to try and really understand what were the attributes in common that high-performing organisations had in common. So our model was very much looking at the relationship between attributes of culture and the common confidence within that organization around performance and that confidence around performance, how it correlated with likely actual KPI performance that the organizations were having. So it's a, a model built around relationship between culture and performance. Andre, any, any other ads to the background to our research? 
I suppose in terms of where the research landed us, it mm. landed us on those four pillars. So four things that um, organisations who are high performing have four things in common. And that was around job satisfaction, emotional commitment, brand alignment and customer alignment. And interestingly, we started to see that, you know, where, where most organisations were featuring their engagement surveys was very much in that job satisfaction and emotional commitment area. And what we were beginning to see was actually the top performing organisations were really doing well in the brand alignment and customer alignment space. So those are the areas that we really wanted to focus on. And that's where our research took us next, I suppose. We started to deep dive. So we did a second study which deep dived into brand alignment and what did that actually mean for organizations and that covers things like vision purpose values all of those things and then we looked also we did a deep dive into customer as well just to really understand what what was it about customer that was really important in driving culture within an organization and high performance and that was around customer centricity customer connection those type of things and that's taken us to where we are today i suppose yeah. And I think from from my perspective, you know, what's really interesting about the research, many things are really interesting, but what, what really stands out for me is that compared to maybe where different organisations, different survey focus has, has been on that sort of engagement at the individual mm. level mm. within an organisation, actually, you've got a real, really broad set of levers, if you like, that or influences mm. actually what makes up culture within an organisation and bringing in the alignment to the company's brand and the alignment to the customer mm. and how customer centric you are, or how connected you are to the customer mm. and how that influences the culture of the organisation that you work in and directly relates to performance, mm. I think is something that's relatively new, mm. right, in terms mm. of the breadth, the holistic approach you're taking. Yeah. yeah. When you were doing that research, how much of that do you sort of already had in your head as wanting to get into that space as opposed mm. to that emerged from the research that you did. Mm. So, I, mean, I think mm. it came to do with the, 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 the people who were, when we were doing the original research, the people who were, we were working with were customer experience backgrounds. Yeah. So the idea was that we wanted to think of it much more as an ecosystem of parts, that, that there was more to sort of culture than just through the employee lens. So it was really understanding actually how could the employee experience drive the customer experience and could we prove that through our research? So that's why it took us into that space, I think. And I'm glad it did. We've been very fortunate to work with a real mix of stakeholders. So, yeah, chief customer officers, chief marketing officers and CPOs. And actually what brings them together and when we've seen the most effective change is when they're really aligned on the links between where the organization's heading, but also the experience management approach within the organization. So we were seeing that from what, what were the conditions for successful transformation or change? Those were in place, but actually we wanted to help change the conversation and, and enable other leaders to have different conversations and build those partnerships within their organizations. So I think that was a big driver for us with the research. And we delve a little bit deeper into this uh, this idea of cultural alignment. I'd love to get your kind of views on it. Obviously, you've, you've produced quite a bit of content around it. So, you know, just talk us through some of your thoughts about it and some of the some of the findings that you've had. That'd be really, really good. And I'd love when we've talked previously, we've looked at, at this mm. idea of engagement to alignment. So if you can build on that and then I'll get Kat and Kathy just for you guys to get give your insights. On its simplest levels, we, we think of alignment as about creating a, a clear level and fair playing field for everybody to perform within an organization, for everyone to grow, for everyone to contribute. The components or the levers, as Kathy used earlier, that, that enable that are, you know, at the top of the tree, you've got your vision, your purpose, your strategy and goals. Those are the things that drive alignment for long-term success. 
But the things that drive a, a, that and why alignment matters on a day-to-day -day basis are the values and behaviours, the ways of working, but also the the experiences we have at work and and the interactions we have at work. So actually, for us, alignment is fundamentally about creating a blueprint where everybody can can contribute and perform. But it's also about how all those elements work together and where culture really shows up in the, is in the experiences your people have and your customers feel what your people feel and vice versa. So they're two sides of the the same coin. So so that's where we started with, if you like, we're building out a triangle of components um, that then brought us into the, well, okay, what is it, what's happening to embed culture successfully within the employee experience? And actually, what are the parallels of what's happening for the for colleagues that's happening for customers and vice versa? So by, by building on more solid culture foundations, which is this model of alignment, we're able to get benefits across both. So I hope that sort of simply sort of describes Andre, any other thoughts on that? The only thing I'd build upon that is actually the, the you know individual role and actually the mm. role you play within the organisation. I think people want to be more connected. People want to contribute and want to know their personal impact. Mm. And I think the sense of alignment to something. So I understand the purpose. I understand the role I play in that. And I'm enabled to live that purpose every day. It's really important to people, increasingly so since the pandemic. So I think actually sort of democratising culture and actually enabling people to play play their part is really key. We hear so many organisations wanting a higher, more accountability, a higher accountability culture. Actually, by making that blueprint clearer, more more transparent, you are you are empowering people to be. To, to know where they can play their part and, and drive more accountability. You're also shifting the power to be a collective, you know, responsibility for the performance of the organization, not just the, the decisions of a few at the top. So it can be a very powerful force when done well. Some reflections. I'll start with you, Kat, and then we'll get Kathy just to build on that. I think for me, the power is really in in how you tie all of this together practically. So, I mean, it, it the model is fantastic, and I I think it it totally makes sense. And you've obviously the research demonstrates that there is a tangible benefit if you get that right, and if you you think about all of those three components. From you know somebody listening in now, like what are the, some of the key things that people need to think about in order? Like what are the first things you need to do to try and really focus on getting that alignment? Because you know it feels like it could be a big job to try and and think about all of those different components together. For me, it starts with clarity and making things clear. I think within an organisation, often the, those component parts are quite confusing. They're not clearly defined. And I think it starts with clearly defining, you know, your vision, your purpose, involving your people in shaping the, the values and behaviours of the organisation, involving them in that. I think it starts with that because I think when people can see it really clearly and can see how it's connected, it's really important. I think the compelling story, the compelling narrative that you wrap around those things so that you're showing how they are all connected is also really, really important. I think that's absolutely right. As with building on that, we see many organisations think they've landed a message about their vision and purpose, but not maybe dug under the skin and connected people to the rationale behind it. It's they stop at the awareness and understanding and they don't they don't help people go further with their commitment and advocacy to what those things really mean and how they can then play their full part. That's often because organisations are moving so fast and they don't have the, the resources and bandwidth to, to, to do that as well as they could do. But that's so that that is something that we would say, have great conversations, set the right tone. So if leaders set the tone, 
then we come on to manage or shape the experience. So I think often culture is the domain of just senior leaders to talk about, but actually enabling your managers to have more confident conversations in the day-to-day about the vision, the purpose, the values in objectives, behaviours in objectives, and in day-to-day decision-making really brings it to life. And that's, you know, people people join a company and, and leave the manager. So actually, how do we enable managers on that on, uh, to, to own the culture? So I think practically those are some of the things that we would we'd say are quick wins um in some ways they sound easy to do they take time and effort but they're practical things yeah and and the leadership piece for me is really interesting because it feels like that's where you need to start really in in helping your leaders understand how all of this fits together and the messaging that they need to and the behaviors that they need to demonstrate to really bring the culture to life in all of those different facets yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're seeing increasingly leaders struggling with so many competing priorities, actually, that the answer should be within the strength of their blueprint, the strength of their vision, purpose, values, behavior, strategy, and how they're working together. So ESG, ED&I pressures, regulatory pressures, the need to transform, digitalize AI, all these things are the answer lies, where does it fit within our blueprint? How do we democratize that and make that accessible for people? So, and leaders need time on these conversations too. I think that's that's what we're also seeing is that the space for them to, to align and work it through. We're also seeing that the, the conversations have elevated to the board. It's become very much more important mm. for boards to talk about culture and actually having something tangible that's measurable that gives them that opportunity to have a conversation about it is really, really important as well. I think I think also from my perspective, again, looking in and, and seeing the research, but the model that you built off the back of that, the fact that it's data led, mm. insights led is really powerful. And to your point, Andrea, around the appetite at the board to have these conversations and the recognition that culture is much broader than engagement and the levers that you can pull on to to drive business performance are, are cultural levers. Mm. But I think, you know, if we, if we think about the model and the way where it's come about, the bit that particularly excites me is the link to the customer Mm. as well as the brand and the employee experience ultimately you're you're making a direct link between how connected an employee feels to the customer how customer centric their role is Mm. how much they understand how the customer perceives the organization as being a driver of performance Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if we can explore that a little bit more because i think that again is is really different to me yeah yeah so so some of the our research very much focused on that customer area customer alignment and it was made up of customer centricity so how how well people within an organization feel that the organization is putting the customer at the center of their decision making their actions etc but it is very much about how do we connect employees to the customer it's often easy to do that when you're frontline facing but actually when you're sort of three times removed from the customer, it can be very difficult to connect with the customer and what customer success looks like for the organization. So one of the things that we found is actually insight is really, really important and how organizations, you know, they collect a lot of information on on customer, but it often sits in a customer team. And how are we using, how are we democratizing, I suppose, again, that insight to enable people to make decisions around the customer so that people feel that they can get closer to the customer. The other thing is around customer empathy. So that insight really helps people to understand the needs of customers better and feel more connected to them as a result. And that's really, really important when you're you know, making decisions around the customer, you know, designing products around the customer, all of those things. So, you know, customer connection being really key and customer centricity, I suppose, being really, really key. 
Another practical example of this, when I was at, at Fitness First, we wanted to establish what some of the truths were around the customer glo globally that we could really empower frontline teams of so 15,000 colleagues globally across many different markets. But actually, just the simplest truths about your customers can be really empowering. So one of the stats was six out of 10 members were reluctant to ask for help. Now, if you tell your people that fact, they can and give them the challenge to find out who who might be those those people that need help. It's very empowering. So a lot of customer insight data stays within the customer data team or in the marketing and business development team and isn't always used. And it's incredibly powerful how just simple customer truths and insights can become really actionable. Yeah. And it's almost that element of, oh, wow, I'm actually making an impact here. Like what yes. I'm doing is actually allowing me to have an impact, which again, links back to what you guys have talked about in previous research. And I'm sure obviously in the research coming up, that idea of that purpose. Oh, so if I'm actually able to make an impact here, then I know why I'm here. I know why the company needs me. It's all sort of linking together, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the link between the moments that matter for customers and the moments that matter for your colleagues is another huge opportunity. So a case study we can we can talk about, which we're really proud to support, Cunard Luxury luxury um, Cruise Brand. We've worked with them for a number of years now. They were identifying the moments that really matter for their guests. And of course, um, no surprise, the warm welcome was a really important guest driver of satisfaction, preference, recommendation. But actually, you flip it around and go, well, what's the welcome for? For colleagues. Well, often colleagues are coming from all over the world for a deployment on board a ship. They might have had long journeys. They go straight into a health and safety briefings. There's a lot of logistics involved. So we just looked at, okay, well, if that's a moment that matters for customers, how do we make sure that's a real moment that matters for colleagues? So they feel that sense of warm welcome on the inside to then gear them up even better to deliver that for customers. So it's a win-win both ways. So, But it's using data and insight to inform those, those sorts of innovations in employee experience and customer experience. One thing that um, I'm intrigued to see if, if you're seeing, Kathy and I were talking about it the other day, is, is actually a move to create roles that look at both customer and employee experience. So, you know, we're, there are people, organisations that that now have a joint customer employee experience yeah. kind of role. We're seeing CMOs move into CPO roles, you know, actually starting to sort of cross-pollinate across. Are, are you seeing some of that as well? There were some organisations that did it a couple of years ago, and they were like trailblazers, really. Mm -hmm. That you know, by having one person who who had who had oversight of the employee experience and customer experience, we say we are seeing it more. We're seeing it more that they're working together. Those teams are starting to work together more within an organisation. It would be great to see more people, more leaders who are responsible for, for both the customer and the employee experience, and have the oversight of both. Because as Neil was saying, there's so many opportunities mm -hmm. to join up the customer and the employee experience and sort of harmonize those to consider those, you know, what are those moments that matter across both of those things that connect the two things together? I, th I think it's a, an interesting development, you know, is is a new year of the chief experience officer that, yeah. that 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 looks after and guides both areas. Is that too big a role? Because ultimately, businesses you know, are it's people that drive organizations. So we need that. It's more for us about how, you know, depending on the size of the organization, the model needs to be right. But but it's more about how those um, functions are maybe working together. We don't see enough. So people, the people teams are struggling with data analytics, but yet customer experience teams are far ahead. How could they join forces to share the skills and data so they're joining the, the dots? And it's great for us to see and help a number of organizations on getting better at this right now.
Kathy, do you fancy being a customer experience officer? I'd love to be a customer as much as I can, Chris. I genuinely really agree with that comment around data and insights led. The disciplines and the structure and the approach and design thinking that goes into how you interact with your customers, Mm -hmm. if we can leverage that and Mm -hmm. apply that to how we manage our employees, how the experience we give our employees and how we, as part of that, generate a culture that is driving that alignment between between the customer, the brand, the employee leadership. I think that for me is the real sort of accelerator to driving business yeah. value. And I think that's where there's lots of lessons to be learned and the research that you've done and the approach you're taking is very much pushing that agenda. So I know you guys have been busy doing lots of more recent research, building on the last few years of research that you've done. And I don't want to have any, you know, cause any spoilers here because I know that the broad research will be communicated soon. Is there anything you can share with us now that, to give us a little bit of insight into the, the findings that have come out of the research that you focused on this time? Yeah, absolutely. I think if I talk a little bit about what we've set out to to find out on this latest research, and then we can start to share some of those insights that are coming through. So this is our fourth instalment of the Cracking the Culture Code research. Organisations come through a pandemic. We have been involved in in a number of industry studies, um, sort of cross-industry studies through the pandemic about culture and performance. But we wanted to see what's changed, you know, what's shifted since the earlier studies that we had completed, you know, what's become more important. The hypothesis was, you know, cultural alignment matters more than ever when people are working in more hybrid ways, different ways. We're, we're looking for connectivity. Is purpose even more important than it was pre-pandemic as people look for meaning in their work, making choices about who they want to work for. But we also know that things like ESG, ED&I have become even more critically important strategic imperatives for organisations. So how do we how do we make sure that our data encompasses some of those elements? We also have been, we were watching closely some of the the culture headlines that have been have played out in front of all of us, you know, where it's been in the news that culture has, has been a, a major issue for how an organisation has ended up in, 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 a, in a terrible situation. So we wanted to, to strengthen our data and research to have insights to help practitioners, to help organisations uh, post-pandemic. So yeah, Andrew, do you want to talk a bit about the, the early findings? Yeah, so so we are in the process of digging deep into that data at the moment. So we're, we are doing sort of factor analysis, but we're also looking at key driver analysis as well. I can give you some insights into some of the sort of, we're calling them six culture signatures that are coming through, I suppose, through the factor analysis. And that's really about the things that that are evident, I suppose, in high performing organisations. So the top 20% of organisations, what are the things that are really sort of coming through or rising to the surface as being really, really important? And some of them we've talked about already, which was around the sort of having that well-defined, aligned, but also embedded value, purpose, and vision and having those really sort of come to life in the organisation, I suppose, and everybody's feeling that they can contribute to those. We've also talked again about customer centricity and customer connection being really, really important. So there's some organisational stuff that's really coming through, but there are also some things which more about the individual. And I think those are probably quite interesting. There's one which is about sort of meaningful work. So people wanting to do meaningful work and the fact that that stems from really having clarity on their role, but also understanding sort of their own personal impact. So where are they impacting customer success? Where are they contributing to the purpose? That people really want to feel connected to that. And meaningful work comes from do- 
doing that. The second thing, I suppose, from a personal perspective is around personal growth. So that's coming through as being really, really important in terms of driving performance in in organisations. But it's that true sense of fulfilment in your role. So growth in many ways, whether that's about internal mobility, whether that's about having a learning culture, it's really about that person feeling that they're contributing, but they're growing with the organisation at the same time. And I suppose the last one, which I think is is probably really, and I don't think this will go, I think people will will recognise this in most organisations, is the need to work in a trusted environment where you are truly valued and people are recognising the contribution you're making and you're valued for that work. So there's a, there's a sense of trust being able to work in an environment which is where there is psychological safety, where you feel you can speak up and where you can trust not only your sort of your colleagues, but your sort of your managers and leaders as well, but also that feeling that actually you're being valued for the work that you're doing. So they're just some nuggets, I suppose, that are coming through, which we're exploring in a lot more detail and unpicking the layers of those. Yeah, really, really interesting. Certainly that kind of trusted, feeling trusted. And also I'm really interested and I'd love to get Kat and Kathy's thoughts on this as well. This idea of it leading, if you feel trusted within your organisation, it also actually leads to more innovation because you feel like you can try more things, you can do more things. And also this uh, this idea of if my work is more meaningful, the levels of productivity that I'm going to drive as well are obviously naturally going to increase too. So I don't want to cut Kathy and Kat out of this before we, we wrap up in a couple of minutes. So just some, some thoughts from you guys on that perspective we'll start with Kathy yeah I mean I think those emerging themes are really interesting and they also show a bit of a shift right Mm. over time Mm. from from what you found before I think the link to purpose is Mm. is quite interesting from from the findings now and we know that over the last few years what motivates people why they join organizations why they stay there's much more alignment between the individual's value set and the organization they work with now I think Mm -hmm. more than ever before Mm -hmm. you know we are in a position where you know still high employment people can choose their roles they want to work for an organization where there is affinity with purpose so to see that coming through really loud and clear I think is is really interesting Mm -hmm. recognizing that maybe when you look at the demographic split on that to see how that maybe varies depending on on people's generation they're from if you like in terms of of that thinking will be interesting to see how any difference is there but to me that really rings true as to what we know is important to individuals now compared to maybe a few years ago when you did your original research. I think um, that the trust one for me, a bit like you, Chris, is quite interesting. I think that's becoming more and more important, especially as we work in different ways and sort of more hybrid environments and and sort of a lot of organisations are shifting to kind of more cross-functional teaming and things like that and actually having the, the trust and, and autonomy to, to have some of those conversations to drive innovation. And I guess a lot of this also comes down to the line manager capability and the leadership behaviours that are sort of instilled in the business to to make that happen. I suspect quite a lot of organisations, people wouldn't necessarily say they feel trusted right now. So what, what do you see as some of the big things that can maybe shift trust? Alongside, so purpose now has really risen, that, that shifted, but vision matters as well. People, you know, what drives people to do great things is a clear mission. You know, everybody responds to a, a call to action around a mission. And the evidence also show, is showing that clear goals and objectives really matter as well. So I think trust and empowerment come hand in hand with the the, the brief that you're given, the challenge that you're given. So I think organisations often 
think they've set great goals, but not necessarily translated them into objectives that people can really own and be responsible and accountable for. So I think there's something there that we're seeing, particularly where organisations are also struggling with having a more agile approach to OKRs or quickly reviewing objectives. You know, the ones that we see are, are very effective at doing that really, really well. But collaboration needs to be learned as well. So working at collaboration builds trust, builds relationships, and we've got to look very carefully at the hard and soft measures and outcomes around hybrid working to make sure we're creating the right conditions for people not just Mm -hmm. to be effective now, but also for for that growth, which clearly, as Andre said, is one of the key drivers, people people can grow as well. So we've got to be investing in a number of things there, I think, that are going to help people feel more trusted and to drive productivity or you know that that's really sort of redefining how we're looking at productivity in many ways definitely i think we're just over the 30 minute mark it's been that's absolutely whizzed by i just wanted to uh yeah we, we've not even scratched the surface i don't think and of course we will just for those people listening in we'll of course put any links to the research that we uh that, that the guys from dragonfish publish in the uh, coming weeks just any final thoughts i just wanted to to, to cap us off with any final thoughts kathy I'm, I'm going to kick with you any anything that you'd like our listeners just to take away if there's just like one nugget well i guess you know we initiated this podcast on the back of it being part of our um, employee experience revolution. Mm. And I think, you know, the findings from your latest research, the early findings mm. seem to to give that sense that this is a time to rethink, reset. And I really like the sort of broader perspective that you have around culture and within that experience is part of that. So from my point of view, I think the broader we can think around experience, culture, how it fits together and the need to reset and refocus people's attention, I think is is really powerful. So I'm um, really enjoyed conversation today so thanks very much yeah no, thank you Kat any uh just final bits before we wrap up then today it's been a great conversation it's just made me think about lots of different things and how this links to some of our other conversations that we've got planned coming up and I think part of it is about how you tangibly tell that story back to the business around the the mm-hmm. investment you put in culture and the benefits that that will bring to the business if they do spend the time the energy give leaders the space to do it properly so yeah it's made me think a lot so very good conversation thank you guys thank you very much for neil and andre and kat and kathy for joining us today of course you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts we are on all of the major channels. You can also access our campaign. We are at www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash EX revolution. That's the uh, campaign main page. And as I said, right at the beginning of the show, we will, of course, be putting lots of different pieces of content out. We'll also, in the show notes, put a link to the Dragonfish research when that comes out too. And we'll communicate that with everyone as well. Neil, Andre, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been great. And Kat and Kathy, pleasure always. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.